Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. If you would take your Bible and turn to Romans 12, all right, that's where we're going to be today. Romans uh, 12, we're going to start in verse 9. Uh, we're in this series called Re-Exodus. Our goal for this series is to remember our values when things are different. We want to remember who we seek to be. We want to remember uh, what we aspire to as a church. Uh, while things are a little bit different, we want to kind of remember uh, what is the same. Now, we've been talking uh, over the last couple of weeks about how gospel doctrine uh, creates gospel Christians who create gospel culture, and gospel culture is really, really important. If what we believe doesn't create something beautiful, people are going to question whether what we believe is beautiful, or they're going to question whether we believe it, okay? So gospel culture is really, really important. Now today, Paul's going to call us into some specific things related to gospel culture. Specifically, he's going to call us uh, to a love that is genuine, Now, anytime you look at a list of things to do in the Bible, I always want us to remember that we are not doing this in order to be gospel Christians. We're doing, we are called to do this because we are gospel Christians. So this is a a living out of who we are, not an attempt to become something, okay? But what Paul describes here is really important and crucial for a church to display gospel culture together. All right, so I'm going to read Romans 12, 9 through 21. I'm going to pray, and then we'll see what God's word has to say for us today. Um, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the needy and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this, uh, this call, this invitation to us to, to display something beautiful in light of what we believe. Lord, I pray that our church, that Exodus Church would be found faithful in displaying these things together. Lord, we need your grace to do it. Uh, this, this list is overwhelming. This list is intimidating. Uh, this list is impossible apart from your grace in our lives. So Lord, we ask for grace today. Uh, grace to see where we need more grace, and then we want grace to obey what you've called us to here. So we need you. Lord, would you meet with us? Um, 
Give us power to live the way you've called us to. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Now we're gonna see one thing today, okay? We're gonna see one thing from this passage and that thing is that we are called to genuine love all the time. We're called to genuine love all the time on good days and on bad days. On all those kinds of days, we're called to genuine love. So we're going to start with what genuine love is, all right? Let's look at verse 9. He says, let love be genuine. So notice first, this is a command, all right? This is not an aspiration. This is not an optional add-on to regular Christianity. This is an AP Christianity. This is a command for all of us. He says, let love be genuine. Next, notice that love is what is to be genuine. Now, we use that word a lot of different ways, okay? We, we say, I love my dog, I love music, I love ribs, I love uh, my family. I mean, we use that word lots of different ways, right? And very often, we think of love as an emotion or a feeling. But what he is calling us to here is not simply an emotion or a feeling. He's calling us to a love that displays the love of Jesus. And what that love looks like is sacrificial service to others. In fact, in Romans 5.8, Paul writes this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you see there, sacrificial love, Christ died. You see it's for others, for us. And the us he died for wasn't impressive. We weren't deserving of what he did. We were, in fact, sinners, the verse says. And so the love we are called to is a sacrificial love love for others. Now, third thing is that it's genuine. It says, let love be genuine. Now, the word here is the opposite of the word hypocrite. It takes a prefix and puts it on the Greek word that we get hypocrite from to make it like the anti of that. Now, we use the word hypocrite to mean someone who doesn't do what they know they should do. That's not the way the Bible uses the word. The Bible word for someone who doesn't do what they know they should do is sinner. Okay? Hypocrite is a different thing. Hypocrite, that word comes from the theater, okay? And in, in this time, they didn't have uh, the kind of makeup or CG that we have. So if a, a character wanted to display that they were being, a, an actor wanted to display that they were being a character, they would hold up a mask. And the audience knew they were holding a mask. They knew that the person playing that character wasn't in fact that character. They were holding a mask. And so a hypocrite is someone who knows they are not something but holds up a front to show others that they are. That's what a hypocrite is. And Paul says we don't want our love, the love that's commanded, we don't want love to look like that. We don't want it to be a mask. We don't want it to be some southern bless your heart kind of love. We want it to be real, genuine, from the heart love. We're called to genuine love, and we're called to that all the time. Now, we're called to it on good days. We're called to it on hard days. And uh, the rest of the passage is going to unpack what that kind of love looks like on good days and on bad. Let's start with good days in verses 10 through 13. Look at that. He says, uh, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Now, um, I know good days and bad days, that's really simplistic, and you have to do, it's not like you stop doing these verses when things are hard. <laughs> 
Um, it's, just try, it's just that there's nothing really bad mentioned in that section. It's all kind of normal. It's like when life's kind of tripping along like normal, this is what genuine love looks like. First, we love each other like family. That's what he says in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. That's where we get Philadelphia from, city of brotherly love. We're to love one another like family. God is our father. Christ is our brother. We are brothers and sisters together in the family of God. We're to love one another like family. Now, for some of us, that creates a problem immediately because the family we're a part of or came from, it wasn't a whole lot of genuine love happening. It was a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of fear, a lot of anger. And so the thought of us loving like family feels like, no, I don't want any part of that. Well, we're not supposed to love like our families love. We're supposed to love like a family should. We're to love like family. Second, we're to honor competitively. It says in verse 10, outdo one another in showing honor. That word outdo is from the Olympics. It's a competitive word. And honor means to think and speak highly of each other. So if you're competitive like me, this is the one verse in the Bible that tells us we can be that way. And we're to do it by honoring one another. Next, we're to serve, uh, serve the Lord and serve one another with zeal. Verse 11, it says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. One of the ways we show genuine love to one another is by serve the Lord. We serve the Lord and we serve one another. Verse 12, we rejoice in hope. We're patient in tribulation. When, when things are hard, when things are difficult, we're patient. We're constant in prayer. Fifth way we show love for one another in, on normal days is we, can, we are uh, generous and hospitable to one another. It says contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So what does genuine love look like on a normal day? It looks like these things. And we're going to need grace for these things. Because even on even this list, even on normal days, we, we are not, our default is not sacrificial servant love. Our default is self-centered. And so we're going to need grace to do what we're called to, even on normal days when things are moving along like normal. Now then Paul transitions from uh, genuine love on days that are fairly normal to genuine love on days that are hard and hurtful. He moves on to bad days in verses 14 through 21. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, this section moves from uh, genuine love when things are normal to genuine love when things are hard and hurtful. And you can see some hard and hurtful in here. Persecution, weeping, evil, these things are listed here. And Paul wants us to know how we are to show genuine love in the midst of these things. First thing he says is we bless in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. When everything in you, when somebody's hurting you, everything in you wants to hurt back, wants to curse back, we bless and we do not curse. Verse 15, we empathize. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. This is a hard day. It's a hard day. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. We feel, we empathize. I'm convinced that a large portion of the conflict in our world right now is because we don't know how to feel 
with those who feel. We experience this in our personal relationships sometimes. Some, someone close to us brings us a feeling. They bring us a feeling. And because we don't know how to feel with someone, we put on our fix-it belt and try to fix their feeling. They didn't want us to fix their feeling. They wanted us to feel their feeling. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We empathize. That's how we show genuine love on bad days, on days that are hard and hurtful. Next, we learn to live in humble harmony. Look at verse uh, 16. He says, live in harmony with one another. That means you're singing uh, not the same note, so it's not like uniformity, uniformity, but it's unity. We're singing uh, similar notes, but we're singing the same tune. That's what harmony does. It's beautiful. And he calls us to a harmony together, birthed out of humility. He says, don't be haughty, that's arrogant, proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now this is really important if we're going to learn to live in bad and hard, hard and hurtful days and show genuine love to one another. There's a tendency we have to think that we know and understand everything about the person who's hurting me. I know their intention, I know their motive, I know their heart, I know there's a tendency for us to think that we know everything about what's going on. And Paul would say, hey look, never be wise in your own eyes. In other words, leave some space for you to be wrong about that person. Never be wise in your own sight, he says. He wants us to learn to live in humble harmony. Genuine love on hard and hurtful days means that we learn to live in a humble harmony with one another. Not, uni- not uniformity, where we're all the same, but unity, where we're all singing the same song. Next, we release wrath. Verse 17, he says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably, with all. Now some context here. In the passage, Paul is describing a situation where someone has done something to you and Paul calls it evil. Somebody's hurt you and it's legit hurt you. Like you didn't make this up. You didn't find, you know, you didn't create this in your mind. Like it legit hurt you and it was legit evil. Paul says, look, first don't repay it. He says, um, he says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. One of the things I'm hopeful for in the fall is college football. I love college football. Y'all pray with me about that, all right? I'm so hopeful that we're gonna have football again, okay? Now, one of the things that happens in college football is a thing called a personal foul. That's where a player does something to another player. It's not a, not a game penalty like offsides or pass interference. It's this player slapped this player upside the head. And very often... And announcers will say this, that the second hit gets the foul, okay? So player A hits player B, player B hits player A, the ref didn't see player A, the ref sees player B, player B gets the foul. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In other words, how you respond when someone hurts you is very important. We release wrath. We give thought to how we respond. And then verse 18, do everything you can to be at peace with others. Paul says in verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, there's a lot of qualifiers there. If possible, sometimes it's not. So far as it depends on you, that's not about you controlling the other person. That's you, like you in your own heart and life, live peaceably with all. And then he says, never avenge. Verse 19, 
He says, beloved, never avenge yourselves. He doesn't say don't protect yourself. He doesn't say don't defend yourself. Genuine love doesn't make you a doormat, okay? But he says, never avenge, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Genuine love on hard and hurtful days looks like we release wrath. We release wrath into the hands of God. We release wrath into the hands of a higher authority. We don't avenge ourselves. And if possible, we serve them, verse 20. He says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Then he says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's interesting, this bookend of the passage in verse nine, it says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And here at the end, don't be overcome by evil. Paul knows that the world in which we live is full of evil. He knows that the lives, that that the hearts we have are constantly affected by evil from without and evil from within. And he says, look, don't be overcome by that. So when someone curses you, don't curse them back. When someone hurts you, don't hurt them back. When someone takes vengeance on you, don't take vengeance on them back. Release all that, he says. Overcome evil with good. We're called to genuine love on normal days. We're called to genuine love on hard and hurtful days. And the only way we can do that is because of the grace of Jesus. And so, how do we apply this? Really, just one question today, and that's this. Exodus, is our love genuine? Is our love genuine? If we were on one of those silly shows, like I don't know why anyone would ever sign their family up for a show where cameras would follow them around, right? But if we were on one of those shows where cameras were following us around all the time, would they find love that's genuine in our lives? No masks, no fake, no put on, and no southern bless your heart nicety. Love. Would they find that? I mean, our gospel doctrine declares it, right? God the Father loved us so much that he sent God the Son to die in our place so that we could be forgiven, adopted into his family, and the Spirit of God secures us in the love of God so we are eternally safe in his hands. I mean, that's, that's genuine love. Does our gospel culture demonstrate what we declare? It's an important question. Now, when we start assessing things, our tendency is to start thinking about how everyone else fails. We got a list now. We can can point to a place on this list and how everybody else fails us all the time. And my response to you would be probably so. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so we're going to disappoint one another. You're probably right. Like You can probably find ways those around you have fallen short of this list. But I think what God would call us to as Christians would be not to so much look at how everyone else is failing, but to assess our own heart and see what's there. Jesus, in fact, commands that in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, he says, judge not that you be not judged. Now, some people think that's the only thing Jesus ever said. It's not. (laughs) It's not the only verse he ever said. In fact, that's not all he ever said in this passage, okay? But he does say it. He says, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
And he says, why do you see the speck, that's like a piece of sawdust, in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? He's, he's picking up on this tendency we have to see where others are falling short without noticing where we are. Then he continues, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Do you, do, you, do you see the silliness he's describing where you're close enough to see a piece of sawdust in a friend's eye, but you've got this log hitting him in the head the whole time, right? He says, you hypocrite, there's that word. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So his goal is not, hey, stop looking at specks. I think Jesus is telling us a parable to help us understand that we need to spend more time addressing our stuff than dealing with the stuff of others. Can you imagine how more genuine our love would be if we lived in that way? Can you imagine how much um, easier our conflict resolution would be if if we address things in that way? where we spent time, more time on our stuff than we did on the stuff of everybody else. Jesus is helping us understand how we need to approach our own lives when we realize our love is not all that genuine. Several years ago, uh, we uh, took down three pine trees in our yard. Uh, they were about 50 feet tall and at the top probably 20 feet wide. I mean, they were big. They were, they were big pine trees. I hadn't just planted these. And my plan, I had somebody come up. I did not YouTube taking those things down in my yard, all right? I had somebody who knew what they were doing come over and take them down, but I was gonna save money and cart them off on my own. And my plan, this is embarrassing, my plan for doing that was a snow sled about one by five and my four children, 11, nine, seven, and four, (laughs) all right? I grossly underestimated the work that was gonna take. In fact, Cheryl and I were talking about it this week because I was preparing for the sermon. She said, yeah, that wasn't your best day. I said, yeah, thank you. It's a blessing. Yeah. Um, and as I thought more about that event and this passage, I, I realized that I'm guilty of grossly underestimating the sin in my life sometimes while greatly magnifying the, the sin in the lives of others. I'll look at my neighbor's yard and see a pine cone when I've got a pine tree laying in mine. Gospel Christians deal with our own stuff before dealing with the stuff of others. So, Exodus, is our love genuine? Not just, organized, not just as a group collectively, but individually, is my love genuine? And to the degree that I would say no right now, we have an important opportunity If you're looking at this going, man, I I know for sure there are places where I'm falling short of this passage. You got three options to respond. Option one, you can do nothing. You can say, yep, I'm not not doing it, not going to do it. Well, that's an option, but it doesn't reflect a gospel Christian. Jesus called us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you're a gospel Christian, doing nothing is really not an option when you're being convicted of not living according to God's word. The second option is we can try hard. We've got a list now. 
We can work really hard on that list. We can do our best. We can check the boxes. We can even construct a beautiful mask for people to see so that it looks like we're really living out what we say we're to do. We can try hard. But we know no amount of box checking, list following, mask wearing is ever going to produce the kind of genuine love we're called to in this passage. The third option is we can bring our need to God's mercy. We can bring our need. We can say, God, I know I'm called to this. I know I'm called to this. I can't do this on my own. Like people have hurt me too deeply. People have persecuted me too frequently. People have done things to me. I can't do this on my own. And we get grace for pardon and we get grace for power to live out what we're called to do in this passage. And then we step out in faith, trusting his grace to do what our strength can't. To live into what he's called us to, this genuine, sacrificial love for others. And when we together as a, as a church live into this by his power and grace, gospel culture is created that's beautiful. That's what we hope for. It's what we want. It's what we need. So I want to pray to that end that God would fill us with his grace, not just to forgive us where we failed, but to empower us and free us to fulfill what he's called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we know that you loved us first. Your, your word tells us that we love because you loved us. That's the only way and only reason. We need your grace not just for pardon. We need your grace for power. So, Lord, we bring our need to your mercy and we ask for grace. Lord, we need genuine love as an expression of gospel doctrine. And in this gospel culture, we need it, Lord. So would you make it so? Would you fill us with your spirit, fill us with your power, fill us with your grace so that we could do what you've called us to in this passage? And we will be careful to say the only way this is possible is because of the power of Jesus. It's not because of me. It's not because of my list checking, box checking, mask wearing. It's only because of you, Jesus, that I could ever do what you've called me to do in this passage. Thank you. Thank you that you have grace, not just to pardon me, but to empower me to do what you've called me to do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.